0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: Four companies that control 80% of the food supply and bad actors want to do harm to this country. What better way to do it than to disrupt our food supply? And all you have to do is disrupt one company and you've disrupted 40% of the, uh, the food supply when it comes to meat in this country.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Wednesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Hall, joined by Ashton Carr. It is Wednesday,
2: right, Ashton? It is Wednesday. We are getting over the hump of the week. Very excited that it is Wednesday. I am ready for the weekend. I feel like I've been really busy already this week. And I feel like I say that probably every week that I'm ready for the weekend. But man, I gotta say, I just really like my downtime. That's okay. We all need downtime. And I am feeling right there with you. So hey, it's okay. Well, Delaney, I had something interesting that I wanted to get some of your crop knowledge on. I don't have, I don't know if I have a lot of crop knowledge, (laughs) but I'll do my best. I think you might have a little bit more than me, but within the past couple of weeks, some farmers out in Iowa have gone to Twitter to show their fields, of course, and their soybean leaves have started cupping. And I wasn't sure exactly what that meant.
0: Oh, okay. I do know what this means to some extent. I am not an agronomist. I should probably pay more attention to this stuff since I'm engaged to a farmer. But essentially, leaves start to cup when you get some heat stress, Ashton. So that's a right in line with what we're seeing as far as news. Weather forecasts, not news forecasts, go. Weather forecasts are pointing again to hot and dry. Specifically here, we're talking the GFS model. Um, The next 8 to 14 days are going to be much hotter than normal in a few key growing areas. So pretty much if you were to draw a line in half on the United States, I'd split it about halfway through Iowa. So Des Moines through down to the very north, excuse me, southwest corner. That's kind of where the line is. And then halfway about through Wisconsin, Kansas has just a skosh of it in the really hot area. But basically the upper plains, Nebraska, Minnesota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, the top half of Iowa, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, all those states are going to have some hotter than usual temperatures here heading into the next basically two weeks and that's going to put a continued stress here on especially the corn crop but yeah like you said they're and that can cause cupping in the uh, corn crop and it's literally the leaves cup over they
2: they their shape changes well Delaney that was just what I wanted to bring to your attention first and foremost because I think people were maybe a little bit upset from what I could gather. Um, Like we said yesterday, we talked about yesterday, wanting to know a little bit more about how the crop is looking for some folks. And I believe that we tweeted about it earlier today, talking about that we wanted to see how your crop is doing. If you want to comment on that post, or if you want to send us a message, folks definitely do that on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at ag news daily.
0: Absolutely. I I am really curious to see how things turn out this year because weather may not be so pretty here moving forward. And as far as moisture goes, um, we're probably not going to see a lot of that here during this time either. Uh, According to the NOAA data, we're going to see precipitation 33 to 50% below normal for this time of year. So hot and dry is still in the forecast. That's added some fresh support to the markets today. I know we're pretty much through the make or break it time for corn, but soybeans still have to fill some pods out here. So it's going to be important to watch weather here moving forward.
2: Absolutely, Delaney. But I have some more things to discuss, not talking about weather, but talking about some legislation. A bipartisan group of U.S. senators earlier today introduced legislation that would increase access to gas with a higher ethanol blend after a recent court decision knocked down a Trump-era rule that had allowed expanded sales of the fuel This bill is an attempt to boost demand for corn-based ethanol and inject certainty into a market that was, quote-unquote, rocked by the court ruling. The bill would extend a waiver that would allow year-round sales of 15% ethanol fuel blend, known, of course, as E15 The EPA extended a similar waiver in 2019. However, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit ruled in early July that the EPA exceeded its authority by lifting the summertime restrictions on the sale of E15. And some groups are already showing their support for this. In particular, we're talking about the American Coalition for Ethanol because they endorsed this congressional action to enable E15 sales year round. But I am going to keep paying attention to this, see what the industry is saying, see what some more congressional leaders are saying. But that is all I have for that story. Well,
0: Ashton, I know that another piece of legislation we're watching pretty closely here is the new Biden administration's executive order that they signed dealing with anti-competitive issues. And we're going to talk about that. I don't know the schedule, if that's going to happen later today or next week, we're going to be talking with Senator John Tester, specifically about anti-competitive practices within the beef and cattle industry. But... As a whole, we, of course, saw that executive order signed into effect on July 9th, which could have a sweeping impact on agriculture and corporate businesses. According to a survey that AgWeb's Farm Journal did, 72 provisions in President Biden's executive order about of, excuse me, of the 72 provisions, about a fifth of those were actually related to agriculture And so, of course, this is going to fight anti-competitive practices on things like the right to repair. But overall, apparently, about a dozen of these tackle some of the most pressing competition in agriculture specifically. So we're going to have to wait to see how this thing gets rolled out here. But sounds like the big ag businesses are starting maybe to get a little more concerned about how this thing gets rolled out here moving forward.
2: And I hope that we get a little bit more clarity trying to get some, hopefully we'll have an interview next week about this, but we'll have to keep the folks updated as more news rolls out about that Delaney. I only have one other piece of news to share with you today. And again, it's Kind of about some legislation, kind of talking a little bit more about some fuel as a coalition of agriculture, biofuels and environmental organizations are urging the Biden administration to propose a higher octane fuel standard. In a recent letter to President Biden, the coalition is emphasizing the importance of the EPA proposing a higher octane gas standard in the rulemaking on light duty vehicle greenhouse gas emissions or the safe to rule now under review at the Office of Management and Budget. The group is also asking EPA Administrator Michael Reagan to request comments on the role that high octane, low carbon fuels play in advancing climate, environmental, public health, economic, and energy goals. The coalition noted that the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, which manufactures 99% of new light-duty vehicles sold in the U.S., also supports a transition to high-octane, low-carbon fuels. And honestly, I would also like to hear some more words from EPA Administrator Reagan about this, because honestly, I don't know a whole lot about it. Do you, Delaney? Uh,
0: I know a very small amount of knowledge on it, Ashton.
2: Well, I I guess then this is pretty breaking news since neither of us really can comment on this or provide, you know, thoughtful comments on this, but I'm going to be looking to Administrator Reagan to see if we get anything out of him.
0: Yeah, I will be as well, Ashton. Um, But to switch tracks here just a little bit, I've got one final story for us today. As I think I reported on last week, Saudi Arabia and the UAE have struck a deal over some OPEC plus policies because there has been a lot of controversy after the UAE canceled their meeting or canceled their attendance at the meeting that was supposed to happen last week. Reuters has now reported that the UAE and Saudi Arabia have agreed to raise the UAE's OPEC plus baseline from 3. 16 million barrels to 3.65 million barrels a day, which is about a 15% increase, in case you were wondering. And so far, that news has already sent Brent crude prices down about a dollar lower per barrel today, because we could see, of course, more production flooding the marketplace. But I think, oh, as far as a consumer standpoint goes, I am okay with that because that should translate to some cheaper prices at the gas pump. So Ashton, with that, that's really all the news I had for today. Other than chatting commodity markets, what about you?
2: Let's get right into
0: the markets. Fantastic. Let's do that. And as I mentioned, we uh, see some hot and dry in the forecast. So we see the markets react and we certainly did today. We saw September corn trading 17 cents higher to end at 568 and a quarter. The D's up 18 cents to close at 558 and three quarters. Soybeans today higher as well, with the August contract up 38 and a quarter cents to close at 1453. The November up 31 and a half cents to close at 1383 and a quarter. And in wheat today, we saw some strength all across the complex as the September Chicago contract closed 20 and a half cents higher to close at 654 and a quarter. The D's added 19 and a half cents ending the Today at 662 and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock pits today, we got a little bounce to the downside today, with the August Live Cattle contract shedding 50 cents to close at 121.25, the October shedding 40 cents to close at 126.77 and a half. And in feeder cattle today, the August contract losing and a $1.87.5. To end the day out at 156.95, the September down 2.40 to close at 159.22 and a half. And in lean hogs today, we unfortunately could not quite follow through. We were trading higher earlier today. I thought maybe we'd finish on an up note, but we didn't. August lean hogs down 82.5 cents to close at 105.10. The October down 15 cents to close at 89.22 and a half. And wrapping things up here with the Class Three dairy milk futures. August down 33 cents today to close at 17.75. The August down 35 cents to close at $18 on the nose. Ashton, without further ado, kick us into today's interview.
2: Well, today, Delaney, we are talking to Senator John Tester about some new legislation. Well, today on the Ag News Daily Podcast, we have Senator John Tester on to talk about some semi-new legislation. It was just introduced earlier this summer, but Senator Tester, thank you again for coming on and talking to us today.
1: Ashton, it's great to be with you. Thank you.
2: So before we really dive in on the Meatpacking Special Investigator Act, which was introduced earlier this summer, I want to kind of talk about some events that have been leading up to this because it's there's some things that have been going on for quite some time some anti-competitive practices and and things like that so senator tester can you just give us a quick look at some of the events that really led up to this
1: so it's it's a, it's a well-known fact that four uh, companies control 80% of the nation's food supply um that, uh, four companies, isn't very many. Um, those 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 companies, uh, CEOs could literally go out on a golf course and determine what they were going to pay and what they were going to charge for beef. Um, uh, that's not what should be happening. We need to have capitalism. We need to have competition. So the markets for our cow-calf producers, our small to medium-sized feeders, oftentimes end up where the packers are making all the money and and these guys can't turn a profit when there's profit to be turned. Okay. And the consumers on the other end are getting the the raw end of the deal. That's been going on for a long time. What has really taken this to a whole new level is what happened here about a month, month and a half ago when JBS got attacked, a cyber attack from a Russian operative. And, and I will tell you that uh, opened another set of eyes. And that is, if you only have four companies that control 80% of the food supply and bad actors want to do harm to this country, what better way to do it than to disrupt our food supply? And all you have to do is disrupt one company and you've disrupted 40% of the, uh, the food supply when it comes to meat in this country. So those two issues together, um, uh, make somebody that's a U.S. Senator from Montana who's familiar with agriculture get hit over the head with a baseball bat and say, hey man, you guys, time is of the essence here. You need to do something. Because not only is the consolidation in the in the packer industry hurting consumers and he, hurting people in production agriculture, but it also puts this country at risk from a cyber attack standpoint. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've been aware of these issues for a long time and in fact have done a number of things uh, trying to uh, reduce the consolidation agriculture. But I think what has just transpired over the last uh, three or four months shows that there's some urgency here and we need to get after it.
3: Well, Senator Tester, there seems to be a lot of issues that led to recent events that have kind of caused problems within this food supply chain. But kind of going into the legislation, can you talk more about, you know, the side revolving around the meat and poultry special investigator act that's going towards the protein industry as well as specifically the cattle industry
1: yeah so the 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 packers and stockyards act has been around i think it was originally passed in 1916 when there was a problem back then and it has gone on for the last 100 plus years and uh, and it's been out there on the books and in some eras in time, long before I was born and I'm 64, it, it was probably utilized in a way that, that, that it was initially passed for. I can tell you in my memory, I can't, I can't think of when the Packers and Stockyards Act has really made a difference in consolidation in the industry. And that's what it was set up for. So what we're trying to do with this Special Investigators Act is Put some, uh, give the Packers Stockyards Act some teeth, um, and allow this uh, the special investigator to be housed in the USDA that has subpoena powers, investigatory powers, and subpoena powers to be able to really go out there and make some determinations as to whether people are manipulating the marketplace and causing a situation to happen where there isn't competition, where prices are being set, where people are being forced out of business because of that. And, and I just think that, uh, you know, the Packers and Stockyards Act is a piece of legislation that is really uh, quite visionary, uh, especially if you consider it was passed over 100 years ago. But really what this investigators will do is we'll put some teeth into the Packers and Stockyards Act and, 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 and make this something that uh, when applied, it'll get people's attention.
2: So, Senator Tester, I want to dive a little bit more into the cattle industry specifically. What are you hearing from your constituents who ranch about what's going on in the cattle industry as a whole?
1: So I can tell you that almost everywhere I go in the state and, you know, agriculture is our number one industry in Montana. Um, but almost everywhere I go, people are coming up to me and and saying things like, geez, we appreciate what you're doing because, Margins are so thin right now. We can't we can't pay our bills, and um, and I hear that regularly. Um, I hear regularly from people that say, uh, and I don't know if these figures are right. I haven't fact checked them, but they'll say, you yeah, know, how come how come the Packers are making thirteen hundred dollars a head, and and I can't afford to buy hay. Okay, uh, I, I heard from from a gentleman that's been generational in the livestock business. Uh, and this was about a year ago. He said, if if Congress doesn't do something, and this guy is conservative as conservative can be. And he said to me, if Congress doesn't do something here, our food chain is, is going to change and it isn't going to be for the better. And when it changes, we'll never get it back to where we had it. So food predictability will be something that we're going to have a hard time uh, make ensuring that that that's there for our for our citizens look i hear a lot uh, i do um, from folks in production agriculture cow calf operators from small and medium-sized feeders that the system is rigged and it's been rigged for a long time and that we need to not take over the marketplace but just ensure the marketplace works and and that's the whole impetus behind the Special Investigator
3: Act. So when you are see, saying that you're that you're finding that the system is rigged, that producers are almost feeling the same thing. Do you have any specific goals that you hope this, le- this legislation will meet uh, and how it's implemented and what producers may expect on a day to day basis?
1: Well, all, all I want, all I want, quite frankly, is there to be competition in the marketplace, so that you got people that are competing uh, for uh, for the product that's out there. And and to be honest with you, uh, I mean, I'll be I'll be straight up with you guys. I, I don't know that it can be done under the, the current system. So that that's why, and I don't mean reworking it. I mean, let's get some more players into it. Let's let's empower some of the small and medium-sized folks to at least uh, take up a piece of this pie of of meat production in this country. And so so that we have a a small meat processor, say, in Butte, Montana, that um, has the ability to, say, sell meat across state lines. Uh, That's going to allow him to uh, expand his plant or her plant and hire more people, and it'll give a market for those producers in southwestern Montana that wouldn't be there normally that that might want to fatten a few cattle. And I think that's really the, the the bottom line: is that more competition in the marketplace is my goal. That's what I want to see happen. I want to see capitalism work. I want to see uh, uh, folks in, in, in the cow calf business and, and, and the small, medium sized feeders. Actually, there's competition for the product they raise because they they put a lot of investment in it. Um, and, and I think that you know the United States raises the best products in the world and 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 quite frankly they ought to get paid a fair price for it i don't think you can continue to have a system like we have now without significant federal subsidies and and that's not a direction i want to go i want i want to have it so there's competition so that the federal government is removed from the from the marketplace uh not inserted into it in the meantime um you know, there has to be some teeth put into the Packers and Stockyards Act to make sure that that competition exists.
3: Okay, so to follow up on that, so maybe what producers can look forward to is that right now we're not seeing a lot of buyers at local sale yards. We're just seeing a lot of sellers and a lot of cattle. So there's no real real cattle cattle shortage. So with this, do you hope that we're maybe going to see more buyers looking at cattle in, in the ring as well, and maybe seeing more bids going towards and driving up prices a little bit?
1: Well, I, 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 think, I mean, that's, that's, that's particularly it. Let, let the market determine where the price is. And you, you only do that if you have competition in that marketplace. And you, you need, you need to have more than four buyers, basically. As, as, as an end result, you need to have more than four. Uh, and, and quite frankly, because there's demand for more than four. And so if we can get more folks into the marketplace, um, then I think you're going to get more to the true cost of, of of what that product is worth.
2: Senator Tester, you advocate for more competition in the industry. I want to know what the response from the Biden administration has been. Do you guys think that you're on the same page there? What has that been like?
1: So I've been through several administrations since i was first sworn in as a U.S. Senator, and this is the first administration that's really taken the bull by the horns and addressed the issue of ag consolidation and competitive markets. Um, The president just had an executive order that went out last week, I believe, uh, to address anti-competition under the Packers and Stockyards Act. Uh, I think that um, that's a great first step. I do think that there's several bills out there that uh, can help um, help the effectiveness of what the president wants to do. One of them is a special investigator. Another one is a bill that I've got to to get uh, uh, cash prices up to to fifty uh, percent. There's no magic in fifty percent. Maybe it's forty percent. Maybe it's thirty percent. But the cash prices are way too low right now, and that 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 helps manipulate formula pricing, and that can cause manipulation to drive the prices down. So those two bills i'd like to see get done um and, and i think we need to continue to work with our allies in the WTO to get mandatory country of origin labeling i think that would help a lot um also uh, as far as, as what's going on in this country as far as consumer choice and uh, and prices at the farm gate so uh, i appreciate uh, what the president did with his executive order i appreciate what secretary vilsack's doing with setting aside $500 billion for small uh, plants to either, uh, you know, start up or expand uh, in the processing business. I think it's something we need throughout this country. So I would say um, kudos to the president. I think he's, he's taken steps in the right direction. I think Congress still needs to do their job.
3: So you mentioned that President Biden is seemingly more interested in this, maybe maybe a little bit more than kind of what we've seen with past administrations and moving forward towards, you know, making competition better within agriculture. So do you see the Biden administration maybe taking a more hands on approach that we've seen in the past?
1: Yeah, I I do. I mean, you can only go. You know, I mean, talk is cheap. Now we'll see what moves on past this. Uh, but, but at least we're getting some talk and it's talk in the right direction. And I think he, he laid out a plan with his exec, executive order that shows that he knows that there's a challenge out there that needs to be solved. And, and in the end, uh, I think that's a step in the right direction and making sure that the FTC and the Department of Justice is on the same page, uh, moving forward, I think is really important. So look, I think what the president's done is, is good news. Uh, but we'll be monitoring his actions. I'm going to continue to push him to make sure that he follows through on the executive order, and we're going to continue to push to make sure we get good legislation passed here in Washington, D.C. So um, it, you know, there's, it, it, there's a lot of work to be done. Let's just put it that way.
2: Even though there is a lot of work to be done, Senator Tester, I am very glad that we have people like you who are passionate about advocating for the industry and bettering it. So thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you once more for coming on and talking to us about this piece of legislation today.
1: So I appreciate that. Uh, look, my, my wife and I still farm um, in, in a past life. Before I got into this job, we we processed, uh, custom processed some beef. And uh, and I can tell you that I am very proud of the product that our cow-calf operators Raise and I'm very proud of the product that our, that our feedlots put forth. I think it's, uh, it's the best food in the world. We just need to make sure they're getting a fair price for the work that they've done.
2: Thanks again there to Senator Tester for coming on and chatting with us. He sounds like a pretty busy guy from what I can gather. And there's a lot, I feel like, of moving pieces when it comes to legislation that's currently going on right now. So definitely thank him for his time. But like I said, a lot of legislation going on. So we're going to do our best to keep you guys updated on the Ag News Daily podcast. You can listen to those future episodes at agnewsdaily.com or wherever you get your podcasts. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.